doing here, my friend? This is the emergency broadcast system. We are under attack by conventional forces of the Russian army. It is believed the lead waves were disguised as commercial charter flights. Communications have broken down other parts of the country. Large areas of the Midwest may have been overrun. All of you are, they're looking for you. You're 40 miles behind enemy lines. I just want to go home. They took a lot of people away. Where's my dad, Mr. Eckert? I want to love somebody, Andy. I'm going to die before it happens. George! They're going to kill us! So why should we be different? Because we live here! Not bad for a bunch of kids, huh? Mama'd be real proud. In a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries, one group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Jason Kao. Jeff Mazuka, Dennis Matouche. John Reed. Oh, Warbold. Each month, they've sworn to tackle two or three movies and remind us all why we fell in love with them in the first place. This year, we travel back in time to 1984 and 85. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Welcome to the 30-something movie podcast. I am your host, John Reed, and together with my fearless companions, Pat, Dennis, Jeff, and Bo, we are ready to take you on an adventure of a lifetime. We're glad so many of you have just... Quit laughing. <laughs> You're right. Jerk. We're glad so many of you... Uh-huh. Everybody's a little punchy today. We're glad so many of you have joined us on this adventure, and we'd love to get you more involved in the show. To that end, we've set up a voicemail line for you to give us your thoughts, comments, and to answer your romantic queries. Just kidding. Uh, so you can call 872-35-MOVIE. That's 872-356-6843. You are and such a geek. leave us a message... Yes, I am. I always wanted to have my own like call-in voicemail line, so now I have it. Um, and I'm going to record. I'm going to re-record the message so I sound more like the movie phone guy. Thank you for calling movie phone. Do you get the uh, sound clip of Kramer from Seinfeld? I was just going to okay. say, yeah. We'll work on that. Hello, and welcome to movie phone. If you know the name of the movie you'd like to see, press 1. Come on, come on. Using your touchtone keypad, please enter the first three letters of the movie title now. You've selected Agent Zero. If that's correct, press one. What? Uh, you've selected Brown Eyed Girl. If this is correct, press one. 
Why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you selected? Uh, we can feature your comments, questions, or feedback on the show. We have also set up a crowdfunding page to which you can find by going to the30podcast.podbean.com and clicking on the Be My Patron link. We have rewards at all levels of support and are currently considering a maximum support level in which you win a date with Pat. There we go. You, are you okay with that? I'm, I'm down with that. Okay. We have approval. Bring a razor. Yes. So our first movie today, we're going to be talking about Red Dawn. I don't. I have no idea what that means. No, actually, I know what that means. Yeah, Teen Wolf. Yeah, Teen Wolf. Right. Right. So Best movie. The, the Pat Cannigallo <laughs> story. Our first movie today is going to be Red Dawn. It was released August 10th, 1984. The movie was rated PG-13, had a budget of $4.2 million, a box office of $38.4 million. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 53% rating for the critics and a 65% for the audience. Uh, the director was John Milius, who also did Conan the Barbarian, did the script for Apocalypse Now, and was a co-creator of the TV series Rome that was on HBO. Uh, the music was done by Basil Polidorus, who also did Conan the Barbarian, Robocop, and The Hunt for Red October, among others. Starring Patrick Swayze as Jed, C. Thomas Howell as Ponyboy, I'm sorry, Robert, Ron O'Neill as Bella, Leah Thompson as Erica, uh, Jennifer Grey as Tony, Charlie Sheen as Matt, Powers Booth as Andy, and Lane Smith as Mayor Bates. Um, so in this one, this is the group of high school students who are fighting back against a professionally trained army, and somehow none of them get shot until the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. You're supposed to say spoiler before you give information. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> the high school kids manage to survive until the very end of the movie. There we go. Well done. Thanks. It's only the 14th time we've done this. All right. What did you guys think? I'll start by saying... Not my favorite movie. I actually thought I would like it better. I first watched or tried watching this movie, I don't know, five or six years ago when I came across it, and I'd never seen it, so I put it on and I happened to fall asleep while I was watching it, and apparently that that's what always happens every time I try to watch this movie. At some point, I just fall asleep. So clearly, this movie isn't for me. That's all I got. All right. Dennis. I remember seeing it back then. I remember my dad being liking it. And I think anybody who was like kind of like the John Wayne patriotic, um, that type of thing, is, was any military people were really, you might say right wing, would love this movie. Anybody who was not right wing tended to dislike this movie. Um, I remember that feeling even back then. Watching it, I could see it play out same way today. So I think it's a kind of like a right wing. If you're here in NRA, you just like the whole, you know, whatever. I can see those people liking it. For me, I'm kind of neutral. I don't think it was the worst movie ever, and I don't think it was the. It, it didn't do a whole lot for me, but um, I, I, I thought it was okay. So. Yeah, I, first time I saw it was back then. I don't know if I saw it in '84, '85, but I remember um, good friend went over to his house. You know, did the sleepover thing, and uh, we. This is one of his favorite movies, um, and he was all fired up <clears throat> to uh, uh, watch this movie. Kind of as a funny aside, we were old enough to try and make our own dinner, so we were over at his house and we had like the tombstone pizzas that we were putting in the oven and everything. And I remember that we did our pizzas okay, but when we, his older brother came home, he's like, "Yeah, can you throw him in a pizza in for me?" Yeah, sure, but we forgot to take the little cardboard thing off the bottom of the pizza, so his. The pizza we cooked for his older brother, we cooked the cardboard onto the pizza, and that's just 
nothing to do with the movie, but kind of the the memories of that. It was like just hanging out with friends and and watching this. Um, I I love the concept of it. I always get fascinated with, okay, what happens if, you know, uh, there's an invasion in our country, which, you know, obviously hasn't happened since the British in the 1800s. Um, what happens, you know, I'm, uh, you know, kind of alternate history, what happens if, I think, it, like they say in this movie, NATO falls and, and the, the Eastern Bloc takes over the world kind of thing. And so I, 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 I like the concept of it. I want to, you know, enjoy, okay, what happens, like I said, if there's an invasion on, you know, American soil. However, and when you said it was, you know, teenagers taking on the professionally trained army, I didn't quite mind that angle as much, but what I minded was like it was supposed to be a professionally trained army and the first scene of the invasion is they assault the living daylights out of a school. I mean, the, the first scene is the teacher going in, uh, talking to the paratroops and they gun him down with like a, I think it's like a like machine gun with a bipod on it and if you look at the guy he even has like the, the typical Hollywood, which this isn't going to transfer for a non-visual thing, but he kind of sticks the lower lip out, kind of does the thing where he, you know, just hosing this guy down, mm-hmm. and then at that point, this professionally trained army just goes after a bunch of kids, and I think it, it it seems to get more and more outlandish as they're like chasing them around the parking lot. I think they launch an RPG from the front steps of the school. They launch an RPG like through into the lockers, and that's the part that gets outlandish for me is that it was supposed to be a professionally trained army. But it was just like the the way they were characterized was just kind of like the bad guys, and it might speak to what you know Dennis was saying is that that was kind of back back then, depending on what your persuasion is, that was kind of the idea that like you know the communists are absolute like villainous murderous animals that are just gonna come for you no matter what, and so that was that was the part of the movie that I struggled with is it it. it that didn't seem super realistic. Is that you know that they're going to be assaulting a school and so watching if, if you invaded somewhere, you wouldn't take out a school first. No, ma- maybe not Strategically even. Strategically, not. Even where it hurts. Maybe right. not even a, <laughs> not even like a small town. Maybe start with something bigger or something that has like a, a strategic value to it. Which I guess they did say the town did, but that was that was where the movie fell apart yeah. for me. Well, hearing your intro to the movie and hearing Pat talk about this, I think. I don't know, maybe subconsciously that's why I just tune myself out of this movie is it's these kids that are unscathed by a professional team of, of, of international assassins. And I think at some point, of course, you know, the ridiculous part isn't the fact that, like, they're landing on U.S. soil. It's, I find the ridiculous part to be that these kids are surviving without any issues. So I think for me it was just sort of like, okay, yeah, that's happening. Well, right. they mentioned they mentioned a few times. It's like, yeah, we can we can survive out here for a while because we come fishing up here with our dad, or we've camped up here a few times. Like, there's a big difference between going fishing with your dad and camping up here a few times versus let's survive day in and day out through the winter. And because I mean, over the course of the movie, it's it's like five months. It's like four or five months that it goes. Uh, there's a big difference between going fishing with your dad and surviving mm-hmm. out there in the forest. And I'm, I mean, I, I, I say I didn't like it, but I kind of liked it, but it just, it lost something somewhere for me. I know, and I know it not, doesn't necessarily have to be a realistic movie, but at the same time, 
I'm looking at this going, I can stretch my imagination a little bit further with something like Explorers, where there's some kids and they're jumping in a spaceship and they're flying off to space because it's space and it's aliens and it's, I, you know, I can, I can stretch that. But if you want this to seem like it's a real event, like you want this to look like it could really be World War III and this is what World War III could really look like, then to me, you've got to have, like the, they have to be affected earlier on in the movie. Like, somebody needs to get shot, somebody needs to get injured, somebody needs to die, whatever, earlier on in the movie. Otherwise, it's just, it, it's almost like the same reaction that when we were watching Commando, um, that Sharon and I had, and we're watching it, and, and she made the comment, and I kind of laughed about it, was, you know, he's getting shot at by 50 or 60 people, and not one of them managed to even graze him with a bullet. And it's kind of like that, I don't know if it's like the 80s action movie, nobody ever gets the hero, like, never gets hurt, never gets shot... But and, thing. and that's what I thought too is like well I loved Commando but what made that different from the action in this and I think it's that this tried to take on this tried to be maybe this tried to be real and this and that's where okay I'm enjoying this I'm enjoying the concept but either we're trying to make this realistic or we're trying not to but it, it seemed to be kind of caught in between because there wasn't I don't feel like there was a lot in this maybe a, a couple places here and there but I don't feel there was a lot of lightheartedness in this movie Right. And, like, Commando, you knew when he throws out those one-liners. I mean, you know that's Arnold, and that's how an Arnold movie goes. But I kind of felt like with this one, even, like, the lighthearted moments where they were good, they were tricking the one kid into drinking the deer's blood. Mm -hmm. And I'm waiting for him to say something like, oh, yeah, no, it's everybody, once you, you, know, you shoot your first deer, you have to drink the blood. And I was waiting for them to go... I'm just kidding. We've never done this before. That's totally disgusting. But they didn't. Yeah. And I'm wondering back, I feel like I've seen a scene like that in a movie. I'm wondering if the newer version of Red Dawn, didn't they do that where they, they joked did. about it? They're like, yeah, we've never, we never drank deer's yeah. blood before. That's, it's, it's probably really gross. In, like, the new, in the new Red Dawn, they do that. And, and, they, do? Okay. and they make it lighthearted. Because I've seen the new Red Dawn, but it's been, I yeah. think when it first came out is when I saw it. So. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Which is funny because I think, I think, Comparing the two movies, if you're comparing the old one with the new one, I think I enjoy the new one more. Mm -hmm. I never I saw did. the new one because I. I have Is it what's the new one about? Is <laughs> the, it about the old same. I the old one put me to sleep every different. time, so no, I was gonna run out to the new one. I think the new one is. I think the new one is set in Seattle, and it's South Koreans. Okay. Yeah. I, so I, I was wondering if it's North Koreans. Enemy North Koreans. So North okay. Koreans. North okay. Koreans. But yeah, and so then the new one, I th and I think it's supposed to be a little bit more in the northwest, okay. like Seattle or yeah, somewhere like that. And they attack the police first, right? But it, right. you know, and the the older brother is actually a like a marine that can <clears throat> train these. You know, he had actually been in the military, not just a you know high school quarterback, because every high school quarterback is right basically military. And, well, I, and and I think it'll come to who who's this, who is the movie made for back then, right. and is it a teen fantasy? Is it a you know like like it I was remember, apparently the first movie to get rated PG thirteen. Okay, did I know that? Um, I remember the because I you know I was what, probably about thirteen at that time, eighty four. Yes, that I was like thirteen. But I remember a lot of times back then people there used to be the talk, and I, I remember reading this about when I was researching and looking up it before I was trying to get trying to find it out here. But there was some commentary about like. Um, the appeal was to the teens who were told that you're either going to die in a second when the when the atomic bomb blows up, or if they invaded, you guys are so pathetic that you wouldn't be able to, to fight anybody off. 
like like we would be demolished in a few seconds because kids were you know more self-centered. No one was joining the mill. You know there was there was that sort of apathetic whatever you want to call it with teens. So this was teens' way of saying, hey, we we could stand a chance. We could hold our own if something like this did ever happen. And is that the appeal then to the teens? And I was curious, you know, with the PG thirteen rating, you probably got the high. I mean, it did well. Mm-hmm. From what I remember, it did well. Yeah. It was a popular movie back then, um, and I don't know what the box office was again. If you if you said or not, but it I was thought it thirty did well. thirty eight point four million. Okay, which for that time was pretty good. bad. And so it says it, it, it was the twentieth. So the makers it was the knew what they were doing in ranked number twenty out of all movies in eighty four. So that so the makers, I think, the the target audience responded mm-hmm. to it well, liked it because it was for that group, and I think that they felt empowered by it. And I think the part where you get the divide of people who don't like it, and probably what we then filter is, people will say, if you filter through your own political um, leanings one way or another, you could find ways to hate this movie or love this movie. But back then, it was really just this teen fantasy type of thing. It was, yeah, it wasn't plausible. We knew the communists couldn't invade it in that type of way. They wouldn't go to a school first. But, you know, would it, somebody? I think somebody said, like, what if today you did... Um, you know, like some soccer team, like a, like a, or like if you went, you did the you know, African Americans fighting, you know, bigots in the '60s, and, and it was this teen, you know, out band of little, you know, kids who were fighting back, or if it was, you know, Iraqis even fighting Americans today in their country that were invading, like you could flip it around. Would people cheer for this and say it was a great, great movie? Mm-hmm. You know, or again, depending what your political leanings is. And like I, and I mean, I saw it when I was young, hanging out with a buddy, and so that it's always going to have, for me, that appeal to it, um, and and uh, like I said, the concept of oh man, what happens if you have to, you know, there's people invade, and how would you handle this, and so forth, and it, maybe it's already been said, but that's what I click into now, and I remember thinking about it then, is is kind of going through and just saying, is that plausible? Would that happen? And like today in the movie, I noticed that when they the pilot crashes and they say, "Well, how did this all begin?" and his whole explanation is, "Ah, it's how and how anything begins, who knows?" And it's like, no, I'm curious. Like I break that down for me. Like how do we envision more than NATO crumbles, this group falls, this you know? Um, there was a book written in the '80s. Uh, Tom Clancy wrote it called Red Storm Rising. It was it was essentially World War Three, and they used that book. My understanding in like the naval you know naval war college in the Annapolis and West Point, they studied this book as you know what would World War Three really look like. And he broke down, and there were reasons, and they backed everything up. And like you say, I think this movie just this movie just becomes more fantasy. And but there's that they throw those little hints of realism in there so that I can't sit back and just say, Oh, pop the popcorn, this is this is like commando. And as far as young kids, you know, something I pulled out of is okay, I'm curious. I wanna go read about like the French resistance now during World War Two, the Italian resistance. I wanna read more about, you know, during the Revolutionary War. You know, I was I was reminded of the scene in um The Patriot. I'm sorry, I fell asleep. We were talking about Red Dawn. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> well, no, but they, they um, you know, he, Mel Gibson puts his kids up in the trees and has the kids fire on, essentially, the British Army, which in that movie, I mean, the British was the best army at that time. And in the movie, the kids are popping these soldiers off left yeah, and right. Yeah, but they play drums wherever they go. It's not the best in secrecy. Right. But, I mean, I think, I, I yeah, and I... I just think that not to argue old uh, old old army plans right right now, but but my point is I mean in that movie we accepted okay kids were firing on the trained army of the day and, and all that and so you know I'm trying to 
not necessarily say, well, Red Dawn's believable then, but maybe just say, maybe this whole idea of what can kids really accomplish gets pushed a little bit further in Hollywood than just this movie. One of the, well, one of the things about this movie is it reminds me of um, zombie movies and, the, and like the Walking Dead TV show. It's got that whole survivalist part to it and you know you, you stack up your ammo and you go see if you can survive in the woods and just that whole idea of like all the invasion stuff it, whether it's an invasion of a virus of zombies of even go back to like the invasion literature of war of the worlds things like that you know somebody attacks somebody invades your country and what do you do to retaliate how do you live in an occupied country um, that type of stuff my understanding is when they first like one of the first drafts of this story um, had a different name. They, they had called it Ten Soldiers, and it was supposed to be a closer, kind of a closer story to like a Lord of the Flies. That it was supposed to be, they get invaded, and it's more about this group of kids and how they survive in the wilderness, and occasionally how they deal with the aggressive nature of adults, the aggressive nature of war and everything else, that it was supposed to be more of that. Like, that's how the movie started off. And then, and I think the kids are supposed to be younger in the story, too. Like, even younger than they were. And then, as they kind of developed it more and more for a movie, then it turned more into, you know, instead of being really young kids or young teenagers, we're going to move it up to high school. And we're going to make this more of an action movie as opposed to more of a philosophical, you know, how do you deal with war? How do children deal with war kind of thing? What was the, What were the other movies this guy did? Milius? Yeah. Uh, John Milius did Conan the Barbarian. He did the script for Apocalypse Now. See, well, um, is yeah. it, that's Apocalypse Now. I mean, mm-hmm. basically yeah. it was set in Vietnam, but the story was not a Vietnam War story. Right. I mean, it was just using that. As, so that would gel with what you're saying, that maybe it's not supposed to be a, an invasion story. Maybe it's supposed to be something else, and it just, to get it to theaters, they kind of changed it. Obviously, we're not a political podcast, but I did find it funny when, you know, the first thing the commandant of the town says, go to the such-and-such sports stores, find form 4033B, look up everyone that has a gun, and, you know, and it's, and, you know, that, that, that it starts to fall a little bit within political commentary of, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, we shouldn't register, you know, register firearms and all that, and that... You know, I, I don't necessarily want to look for stuff like that in movies. I just want to sit back and keep politics outside of it. But sometimes when things are thrown in like that, it's kind of hard to turn a blind eye. All right, so this one maybe not the classic 80s movie that the rest of our movies have been. Where do we score this on the Red Sonia scale? On <laughs> the Red Sonia scale? Yeah, it, they both start with red, so. Um, red Sonia, Red Dawn. They're both women. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, well, I stayed awake all through Red Sonia, so okay. I don't know if that well, means a... anything. My favorite part of Red Sonia, though, was the credits. Okay. Um, Ouch. Oof. <laughs> Continue. Red Fury. Uh, You're wrong. I, uh, Go ahead. Red October standing by. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I've I've never I haven't seen Red Dawn all the way through because every time I fall asleep. So it's unfair, I think, a little bit unfair for me to say I don't like the movie because mm-hmm. I haven't seen the whole thing. But at the same time, you keep I'm, falling asleep. I, I keep falling asleep, so that's got to that's got to say something about how much I I don't enjoy 
this movie or just can't invest or can't find anything in this movie to connect with. Mm -hmm. What's the question for me? The question is where on the red Sonia scale? Okay, we're on the scale. (laughs) The the um, red Sonia scale. I said I'm in the middle. I like because because that's even more, probably where I am like politically to a certain point. So it's interesting that that concept comes up of like, you invite say, countries invading ours. So no, I mean I'm just like you know I'm not like far right and I'm not you know. Liberal Did you like Olympus's Fall? I'm, I'm kind of like a, you know, so. So to me, I saw it as, as a, yeah. So I saw it as a movie that you know was. Well, but it's, I mean, it's like that. Yeah, like Olympus has fallen and some of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Take over the White yeah. House and then, yeah. And you're fighting it. So I mean, so it's it was an it, I, I I didn't fall asleep. Um, it's like a C. It's it's right, just kind of an average movie and nothing. To... Well, that's and that's I think that's my thought on it too. Is it's not my favorite movie. I don't know that I'll ever go back and rewatch yeah. it again. But it was fine. I mean, it's I'm nothing to. I'm not going to look back on it and think it's one of the greatest movies of 1984 or even the 80s. But yeah. and it's probably the same way I felt back then when I even saw it as a teen. So I mean. I don't think there's much of a difference. It was kind of like, okay. And there was no no drive for me to go, oh, I want to see the new one now, too. Right. It was just like, it's probably going to be just a remake of this, and I already saw this one. So. Well, the new one, and so you guys have not seen the new no. one. No. You have. Yeah. Pat, you've seen the new one. So yeah. what, compare it with the new one, then, for anybody who has not seen the new one. Uh, hard, hard to beat, hard to beat, you know, when you got an original. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the new one had an interesting concept, um, I don't want. I'd have to see it more to go back to back. In some ways, in some ways, the new one I think had the measure of this one in that there was maybe a little bit more of. I mean, they weren't blatantly shooting up a school like that, um, and you know, the the older brother was like a, a military, so supposedly he could train these people on how to fight. <sighs> um, so it had that, but the old one, you know. Uh, the old one had some things on the new one where the new one eh, you know the ending of the new one I, I thought the way it didn't resolve um, was the way the old, the way the new one ended was not as strong as the way the old one ended I like the, the way the uh, the old one ended more and um, it, did that make sense I, don't know, I kind of meandered around the question and I as far as the the original Red Dawn I liked it um, you know I'm I'm willing to kind of like check out and just kind of go you know, this is fantasy, this is good, and as long as someone's not wanting to start up a debate of, oh, well, this could really happen in this way, then I'm willing to let a lot of those things that, oh, that, that doesn't look, that not very plausible, I'm willing to let that pass and just kind of think what would, you know, kind of get sucked up with what would things be like as far as, you know, if, if this really happened. Um, as far as the political stuff, again, I'm willing to leave that at the door as long as, you know, if someone wants to start up a debate on that, I'd be willing to go with it, but I'm willing to let it go and just enjoy it for being a movie as well. Um, let's go right now. Yeah, that's right. Let's make let's it a political. Okay. Let's throw Pearl Harbor into it. Yeah. We'll talk about Pearl Harbor, the movie? Yeah, Pearl Harbor Pearl Harbor's I'm still at the me. bottom. <laughs> Pearl Harbor's still at the bottom of the, the heap as far as movies go. But um, I'd rather watch Red Sonja. Hmm. But uh, I thought the ending. I really liked the ending of this movie. To be honest, when when the, the way they did the ending with the memorial and the voiceover, I thought, man, with everything else that was kind of that's a little cheesy, that's a little campy. I can't believe that the ending was. I, I like the way they kind of wrapped everything, uh, the way they wrapped everything up in the movie. So I, I, I was kind of surprised at who they left alive mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. Like I expected one of the bigger actors to be left alive. And you know the other thing that kind of took me out of this movie a little bit, maybe just because I've seen the other one so many times 
was having taught The Outsiders in mm-hmm. class, we would watch the movie once a year. And so I've seen the movie The Outsiders, I don't even know how many times, five, six, ten times. Mm-hmm. And I think seeing all of these, like a lot of the same actors from The Outsiders together in this movie, and then it was almost like a mixture of The Outsiders and Dirty Dancing. <laughs> yeah. And just seeing all those people together in the same movie, I think that a little bit it took me out of it. Because I'm looking at her and I'm going, yeah, that's the girl from Dirty Dancing. Yeah, she's from Back to the Future. Yeah, those are all the brothers from The Outsiders. And I think that part, I had a little bit of trouble connecting with their characters in this movie. Because I'm looking at the one and I'm going, oh yeah, that's Pony Boy. He's just more angry than he was in The Outsiders. But otherwise, I, they were, you know, I think Patrick Swayze's character was very similar in this movie than he was in the Outsiders, Outsiders movie. And yeah. I Jennifer Grey, I don't think, really talked all that much in this movie. Leah Thompson didn't either, but yeah. So I think she part of that, too, to was she doesn't need to talk. Is that what you're saying? Okay. So Dennis's celebrity crush this week is Back Leah then, Thompson. No. Back, then. Back then. Okay. Some kind of wonderful. This, so week, Patrick, this week in 1984. Patrick, you enjoyed... The ending of the movie and just the way that they put the the ending together. Yes, that wasn't like a tongue in cheek. I no, enjoyed the end, but well, I'm I curious. Thought, like, never so, got there. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I've, right. I've never gotten there. I've had the same um, experience with Pirates of the Caribbean too. I've never is, seen. This is my mom. My mom has fallen asleep before seeing the end of Casablanca. She's she doesn't know how to end. <laughs> That's too bad. It's no brilliant. It's, just, it's the never ending. Yes. Go ahead. Say story. say your point. Um, I, it's the never ending story, right which right would in. lead us into one of our other shows. Um, no, is, John, is there anything in the movie that stands out to you that you're like, wow, that's really well done, or that's really cool, or I like that part? Because we seem, we all seem to have a hmm sort of rating about this movie, um, but is there anything that stands out to you that you're like, actually, the movie's all right, but I, I really dug when they did... I liked when they threw in some of the references to, um, you know, real real life wartime stuff or you know when they had the message over the radios John has a long Long mustache mustache. wasn't that the same message that they sent on Um, D-Day I think it was that was like the same message sent over the radio to I think it was sent to the French or by the French uh, during World War II Radio Laundry has issued coded messages to the resistance in France the most famous being Jean Jean has a long mustache long mustache that and I forgot to look it up but there's I know that one of the on the marquee of the movie theater, the one of the movies that's listed up there once they occupy the town, was a Soviet. It was a Soviet movie. It was like a Soviet war movie that was anti-Nazi, and so it was kind of a, you know, another example of a war movie about you know being in an occupied country, and um, so that was kind of hidden there. Um, the funniest part, though, and I, I made a comment about this, and, and anybody who knows, because I don't know Spanish, but anybody who, who might know Spanish better than I do can you know, send a message to the voicemail line or email us and let us know. Um, when they were lining people up to shoot them, and it should be a very dramatic scene. Oh, no, 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 it was the, it was the funeral. And they have all the soldiers line up, and they have the, the, lead, uh, the lead commander or soldier is telling them to point their guns and then fire. When he was yelling in Spanish, fire, correct me if I'm wrong, he was yelling fuego, which I thought meant like fire the noun, as in like there is a fire there, mm-hmm. whereas like fire the verb is something totally different. So I turned to Sharon and I said, now I don't know Spanish very well, but I have a feeling that he's not shouting the right Spanish word for like fire your gun. Yeah. yeah. And 
I don't know. For me to just pick that out when I'm not even really paying attention to what the characters are saying, I'm like, that's kind of funny. You know, whoever yeah. the Spanish consultant was on this, they missed that one. Check that their one check their 84 equivalent of Google Translate a little bit better. But yeah, no, I, li- I like the little references that they threw in there, like the little the the radio messages. Um, they had you know if this is the the NRA the card carrying NRA members fantasy film, they had the um, bumper sticker on yeah. the truck at the beginning you know you, you pry this you'll get my gun when you pry it out of my cold dead hands and yeah yeah so they just those little nods here and there to some of the other you know, wartime stuff and and kind of the feeling of it being a uh lord of the flies type survival movie i and i didn't even put that connection together until after i'd been reading up a little bit on it after watching it um but just you know, that stuff some of the little connections that were here and there You've been listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Like us on Facebook at 30podcast.facebook.com. Tweet us at 30podcast. Call us at 872-35-MOVIE. Support us at the30podcast.podbean.com and click on the Be a Patron link. We appreciate all your support and thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to join us next week for The NeverEnding Story. Until then, avenge me! Avenge me!